freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Eward is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Power through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. Well, we're going to give you a minute. That really worked that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Salk. Hello! Oh, yes. Hello. Final hour here today. Brock and Salk with Mike Bennett, who's going to join us in a little less than 30 minutes at 930. God, it's been forever since we've talked to Mike B and looking forward to it. He's always been a pretty fantastic guest and just a, an interesting, offbeat kind of human being. So uh, looking forward to talking to him at 930. Uh, we are having a little weird technical issue with Brock, so uh, hoping to have him back on the show within a couple of minutes. Uh, when he is here, I will let you know, or perhaps you'll just hear his voice, and then you'll know that Brock is with us again. That will be uh, your cue that Brock has returned to <laughs> the simple. show. Pretty uh, simple. Sorry to have him drop off right in the middle of Jerry. I promise that was not uh, that was not on purpose. A couple of interesting texts coming in uh, throughout that, and I'll agree with this one from the 253. You said, I thought the Arkansas versus Tacoma discussion was great. I've often wondered the difference. Yeah, so it's that, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. I've uh, I've heard for years, now this is going back a little while, but Years ago, it was a big thing to keep your best prospects in double A to keep them away from triple A. So protecting them in that way? Well, the idea being that triple A can be a weird place. It can be kind of a way station. You've got guys on the way up who are hoping to make it. You've got guys who have been stuck there for a really long time, maybe frustrated that they haven't made it. You've got 4A guys going up and down, and they certainly don't want to be down there, and they desperately want to get back to the show, and you don't know what kind of teammate they're going to be. That makes sense. And you might have older guys that are no longer making it and are on their way down at the end of their career, and they're bitter, and they're unhappy, et cetera. So there's more chances for them to not be helped at AAA. As That's right. That, that it's a lot easier to develop a star prospect in AA rather than risk poisoning them with some of the characters they might find in AAA. Regardless of talent. Now, that's what I had heard. This is going back a ways that I remember having that conversation probably 10 years ago or so, maybe even longer. So things may have changed a little bit since then. But Jerry obviously went in a different direction with that. And I thought the way he went was very interesting of trying to allow guys in an environment that suits them. So keeping them in a better environment uh, for allowing them to try different things. If they want to make a suggestion to a pitcher, hey, we want you to try this kind of fastball or this kind of slider or what did he call them? The green clouds. I thought that was kind of interesting. (laughs) Here in Washington, it made me think about something other than where you want to pitch. I was surprised that's the, the phrase they use for that. But the green clouds. So if they want them to try stuff, they don't want them to give up on it immediately because they're playing in a bandbox in Reno that day and the ball's flying out of the park. And they're like, hey, it may have worked, but unfortunately, it doesn't look like it because of this ballpark. So I I think I understand that. I think there's also another argument to be made about doing it the other way, right, of making it harder on them so that when they get to the big leagues, they're even more ready. But I'll tell you what, you sure can't argue about what they've done with their pitching because it has been one guy after another who shows up and immediately gets it. That's what's so crazy. All right, Brian Wu had his first bad start in Texas. Take that one out. Other than that, these guys have come up and immediately, immediately 
looked like they belonged. Mm-hmm. And certainly I think that's what we saw from Hancock last night. I'm not saying he looked like an all-star last night. He didn't. The game sped up on him. The guys were running around. He didn't quite have command of who was on the base, especially in the first inning. All of that is is something that will still probably need to develop for yeah, him over time. Bearings. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh, I mean, the stuff certainly plays, the athleticism. And even he said once he kind of settled down, he was able to really just pitch. The first thing was kind of tough to settle in for sure. Um, Just trying to slow things down, trying to find a rhythm, trying to get things going. And then I mean, Cal did such a good job of just sticking to what we talked about and slowing me down and just making pitches when we had to. Once I get to probably about the third inning, that's when it just felt like pitching again. Things slowed down. You're just doing what you always do and go from there. Yeah, by all accounts, Emerson Hancock's like the nicest kid in the world. Like, just everybody loves him. Whereas with Wu and Miller, specifically Kirby, you're going to get kind of that little bit of edge of a little bit of like... They'll take your head off, even though, you know, they're they're nice guys. They're also like super intense battle, have a little of that edge to them. And Hancock's like the world's nicest human. Like everybody <laughs> just wants to be around the guy like, yep, just a nice guy. And, you know, I'm sure there's a question of how that translates to the big leagues. Sure looked like it translated last night because he absolutely has the stuff for it and, and maybe the personality plays in its own way. And so, to Brock's point, cool. like he putting himself in a position to succeed based on the, what the guys have done ahead of him, like the trust, the buy-in, you have that already. So now it's just out to you to execute. Right. So if you've seen that everybody else that's worked for them, why wouldn't it work for me? Right. Right. Like, and so you just come up and, and keep doing your thing. So, yeah, this is fun right now, man. I mean, when, when you're seeing all of the young pitchers come up and succeed and you hear Jerry say that, you know, there will be a plan to work through all of these guys in some direction, some fashion. Once the, you know, Wu comes back and, and they're sort of ready to go. I thought that was good news on the Brian Wu injury front from Jerry. Very encouraging for him being back in, in just the 15 days that he's got to be out. And then um, and then what you're getting from some of these other role player contributors, Dylan Moore, Cal Raleigh, Cade Marlowe right now. And, and there'll be others along the way. That's how you turn your team into the kind of you know best team in baseball that they've been here over the course of the last month plus. And it's hard to say it was true. They've been the best best team in baseball for over a month, not for a week. For over a month. Mm-hmm. And certainly what they've done here in the last week, winning seven straight, winning nine of 10, winning 14 of 16. If they can keep, they don't have to win at that pace for the rest of the year, but keep playing that style of baseball, the great defense, couple of clutch hits, pitching every night that just allows you the opportunity to win these games. Oh, man. Man, we're going to have a really fun winning September and seven, October eight in a row as well. Gets you out of that little hole, gives you some breathing room. It sure does. So nice. Well, and over the course of that last month, don't you feel like. The way they're winning, I've just grown in confidence that they're going to win those games. It felt like the way they're winning early on felt like they were <laughs> they were eking them out, and it just uh, I don't know this sure. this feels more they, like a team. That's yeah, they they were they did eke them out. I think that's fair to say. But the it, wins it, have gotten stronger. But it was incredibly important. <laughs> oh, eke yeah. them out so that you don't fall so deep into the hole that that the big wins later don't matter. They eked enough of them out, and the next thing you know. Here you are in the second you half about of the confidence, season. So that was building, Oof. and now they feel like a team that you believe is going to win every day. They look like a really confident team right now. It's pretty fun to watch. Michael Bennett never lacks for confidence himself. He will join us in 20 right after everything you need to know next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. 
unbelievable night last night in the building at T-Mobile Park. Just one of those games where you kind of remember where you were when you saw something unique, and that was Cal Raleigh going yard in a big, big way. Here's the stretch, and the 3-2 pitch, swinging a fly ball deep to right field. Way back, going and going, and goodbye baseball off the windows of the Hit It Here Cafe. Cal Raleigh, the big dumper, with a two-run blast here in the bottom of the eighth inning. His 19th home run of the year, way out to right. We talked about his penchant for big home runs in big situations, and it gives the Mariners a 3-1 lead here in the bottom of the eighth inning. Holy smokes, what a shot by Cal Raleigh. Great call by Rick Riz. Maybe not as great as Moore's version that she gave a little bit uh, earlier this morning. That was pretty good about an hour ago. But uh, Rick did okay. I mean, for a guy who's been in the game for a little while, I thought he did a, a pretty good job on the call. What a moment and what an absolute cannon shot. 450 feet to right field. That is not easy to do. As for Cal, he just likes the way the team's playing right now. We're just playing better baseball, straight up. Um, you know, I feel like our pitchers are doing, you know, they've been great all year. You know, I don't think they've ever, you know, been the issue. But, you know, we're starting to put together some really good at-bats, um, you know, competitive ABs all throughout the game. And, you know, some guys are starting to click a little more, you know. Uh, and, you know, when you start winning, you start getting hits, you know, the energy gets a little higher. Everybody gets a little more excited. And it's it's a fun time to be right here. Yeah, it sure right seems to be. And it continued with another rookie showing up and pitching like he belonged in the big leagues. Emerson Hancock was very good. The game maybe sped up on him a little bit at times, especially early with men on base. But overall, he was phenomenal. Yeah, the first thing was kind of tough to settle in, for sure. Um just trying to slow things down, trying to find a rhythm, trying to get things going. And then, I mean, Cal did such a good job of just sticking to what we talked about and slowing me down and just making pitches when we had to. And once I get to probably about the third inning, that's when it just felt like pitching again. Things slowed down. You're just doing what you always do and go from there. Yeah, I wonder if also having to dive for that little ground ball maybe helped him just sort of snap out of it a little bit and just feel like, hey, this is just baseball and I'm just doing the same thing I've done since I was a little kid. Pretty darn cool. So Mariners have won seven straight, nine of ten. Texas, Tampa, New York lose yesterday, so they do gain a game in the division. They're now just five and a half back. Houston, Toronto, Boston, Anaheim all win. So Mariners remain, uh, what, Two and a half, two back rather, in the wild card, only one game in the loss column. And no news yet on JP Crawford. We just asked Jerry DePoto about it. He was removed late in the game after a collision with Eugenio Suarez was going to be checked today for a concussion. Probably find out more later this afternoon. Here's the second thing you need to know. It's going to be great tonight getting an opportunity to see these Seahawks for the first time playing in live action. No, it's not a regular season game, but a really good chance to see a youth movement on a team really built on it. This is a chance, you know. The guys, the young guys, you always look for them to splash in the special teams so they can, you know, make a mark and, and give you something to, to go on until you can determine, you know, you accumulate enough plays, uh, you know, under center. So, um, Special teams play really, they give you a chance to show the nature of the kid and uh, how much it means to them and how instinctive they are and how tough they are. And so uh, we're going to 
feature our guys in those situations. Well, it sure sounds like we're going to get to see a whole bunch of the young kids. Who am I most looking forward to? Derek Hall's tops on my list, just based on what we've seen from him in training camp and just looking at the dude. High second-round pick with an ability to help them right away. And I want to see if the growth from Boye Mafe is real. It's looked at certainly out on the practice field, but he's a guy who has all kinds of athleticism and upside, and if he's starting to really get it, well, he could be a game-wrecker for the Seahawks. One guy we likely won't see is the young corner, fifth overall pick, Devin Witherspoon. Um, he had a little hammy uh, thing again that same leg, different spot, not the same, not the same area. Um, uh, it doesn't seem serious, but uh, he's moving around and all that. But we have to just, you know, we got to be careful here. Yeah, and it's a bummer because you sure would like to see him. And now that's twice that he's been out with a hamstring injury, so that's obviously a bit of a concern. That being said. We'll wait and see, and as long as you get him for the regular season, obviously that would be the most important thing. Kickoff should be about 7 o'clock tonight. Pre-game starts at 4 right here on Seattle Sports on 710. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, finally, the old murky future for the Pac-12 schools that remain just continues to... Yeah, well, be murky. That's for sure. Twists and turns. Yesterday, the Mountain West said they're not going to take. They're not going to take any action until after the ACC figures out what it is going to do. And then Cal and Stanford. That doesn't sound like it's going to work for the ACC. So we'll see what direction it goes. And as for locally here with Washington State, Pat Chun joining uh, Bump and Stacy yesterday was asked about the Apple Cup and what's happened with Washington and sound too wild about his cross-state rival. The decision by one school within our state negatively impacts the, the, a school in the other part of the state. And that's just the reality of, of, of what happened last Friday. And, you know, my job isn't to sit here and dwell on, um, you know, what just happened. My job is to ensure that we have the best path going forward and I'm going to continue to, uh, to try to, you know, do everything I can to get us there. Yeah, that doesn't sound like he's too wild about the way this whole thing has gone down. You should uh, take a listen to that whole interview. It's really good. You can find it on their show page at seattlesports.com. That is everything you need to know. And, of course, we do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Uh, And then just talked about this a few times. and, And there's enough people here in our building that have connections to to Maui and and I've been to that island multiple times I think what four five six times something like that I mean I just love Maui once I discovered it it has become one of my favorite places on earth and I'm sure you followed everything that's happened here in the last uh, couple of days with the fires there more than 25 people have been killed essentially all of Lahaina the town there on on uh, Front Street has been pretty well leveled. I mean, you know, that's a, a huge shopping area with really hundreds of year old places and is gone. I mean, it's just essentially gone. And we don't know where those fires are going to go next, obviously, with the winds blowing, etc. Uh, so far, Kihei and Wailea and most of that side of the island has been spared. But, you know, we're going to have to wait and see where all of this goes. Um, and with that in mind, I, I I really do feel compelled to find a way to help. And uh, we will do so tomorrow. I got a meeting right after the show today with a couple people here in the building who can help us kind of put some stuff together. But I, I think I'm hoping anyway we're going to be able to do a little auction tomorrow. 
um, for a place in Maui for somebody to go and have a good time. Not immediately, obviously, some point next year once things have calmed down. And we'll try to put together some other uh, pieces around that and call upon some of our partners, et cetera. And uh, I really would like to raise some money for uh, a community that is just right now being devastated. Just awful what's happening. But what you said earlier, like if you can make any donation right now, you've the link that you tweeted out. Yeah, I I forwarded last night uh, a a tweet from uh, the senator from Hawaii. I know uh, former President Obama's tweeted out the same link. Uh, and I'll do it again today just so that people can see it. It yeah. just uh, HawaiiCommunityFoundation.org. That's what it is. HawaiiCommunityFoundation.org. Or uh, you can find me at the Mike Salk and uh, find it that way. All right. Speaking of Hawaii, because uh, it's a place that is, uh, I know, near and dear to Michael Bennett as well. He will join us next. We haven't talked to the man in forever, but one of the all-time great guests. He's going to be on the broadcast here for the preseason game on TV, and he will join us next. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Yep, first preseason game will be tonight, Brock. That first opportunity Mm. uh, to see this team in action. Glad to have you back with us after uh, some brief technical issues. And uh, it's a good time to welcome in one of our favorites ever, one of our favorite guests always on the show and a guy we haven't talked to in forever, former Seahawk, Michael Bennett with us. Mike, how are you? I'm good, man. Just relaxing, enjoying life. Good. Well, hey, before we dig into football, I did want to, I know that uh, Hawaii is an important place for you and in your life and, and just seeing what's going on uh, the last couple of days in Maui and in Lahaina is just such a devastating situation. Yeah, it's, such a, it's so sad to see people lose the place, um, lose their homes and just uh, just overwhelming, losing their lives, um, praying for the families out there. It's just you can't even put it into words because you can't even you know, imagine what people are feeling and imagining what the whole state is going through as far as um, rescuing people and trying to recover people's belongings. But some things you can't recover is land and people and time. So um, Hawaii is such a special place and everybody comes to visit there and, and they think about the space and what it means to them. Just imagining people and losing everything that they have is just it's just too overwhelming to even to think about and michael you make home there why how did how did hawaii just grow on you in such a way i mean the first time i ever went to hawaii um it, it just felt peaceful i think a lot of times in life you go to a lot of these areas and it's super busy a lot of things are happening but there's something about hawaii that you know as, as humans we always try to control and we make it's like these high rises these beautiful apartments and these parks and things like that but then it's like these moments where god was the artist and he carved out the most beautiful things and i think that's the thing that makes why so beautiful is it it feels like god just touched it and it's just these beautiful mountains the shadows the water the reflection all these beautiful things i think it's just this opportunity to connect to nature in, in a unique and a powerful way. Well, we are, uh, we've mentioned it a few times today. People can donate and, and put that up on my Twitter feed. If you can find me at the Mike Salk. And uh, tomorrow we're going to do a little auction, I think, Brock. We're going to work on this after the show and see if we can awesome. put something together to try to raise some money for what's happened in uh, in Lahaina and throughout Maui. Because just just awful to see. Uh, Mike, thanks for being with us. And we'll, we'll see if we can you know move past a really difficult thing to something very exciting tonight, which is uh, the first of these Seahawks preseason games you've been around the team a little bit what have you seen 
Uh, the thing I've seen about our team is, is very energetic. You know, there's a lot of passion. They have a great mixture. You know, to make any great dish, you need a lot of ingredients. I think they have those ingredients of, like, veteran, youth, speed, wisdom, and then also a lot of people who've had an experience to, you know, playing in some big games. Not the big game, but some big games, you know. And um, so overall, I think it's pretty good. It's great to see Bobby back. I think the energy that Bobby has and the ability for him to come in and impact on the leadership role, outside of his great talent to be one of the best linebackers this generation, this ability to put people in the right positions, knowing what the defense, knowing the play calls, and knowing how to get over. I think that's a big addition, a big, the biggest addition this offseason that they had. And I think you look at the secondary, um, you know, Julian Love, watching him out there, you already know what Quandre is going to do, but seeing how Love is out there, being able to fit in and also bringing his own passion and his power into the team has been special to see. Michael, I think it was you a number of years ago on our show at training camp that was talking about some of the young bucks of today. This is why you were a player. <laughs> and these young guys just, man, they don't really ask as many questions. And, and sometimes as a veteran player that just wants to share all of your wisdom, they're not always so receptive. I'm curious about these last couple draft classes. I'm curious, in the role you're in now as both a broadcaster, you'll be on the sidelines tonight, and certainly a mentor that comes on the field this week and, and, and puts some work in working with these guys. Do you find them asking you a few more questions than maybe a few years ago? Yeah, I think they're asking the questions. I think people are always nervous. I think nobody wants to ask the question because they always think people are going to think it's a dumb question. The only dumb question is the question that you don't ask. I think that's the thing that a lot of, tell these, a lot of these young guys is just, you know, figure out, you know, how do you, you know, how you use your body to the best ability? Everybody doesn't have the same body. The, the thing about the league is to, to be able to find what you do well and explore what you do well and bring that out every week. I think um, a lot of these guys, you know, it is hard for them to ask these questions, but I think it's on the coaches and the mentors to keep pushing and pushing because we always have to remember, like, we weren't always the all-stars. We weren't always wise, but we can – but we eventually asked and we learned. So we know what it feels like to be on both sides. So never never forget what it feels like to be on the other side. So I think it's just, you know, us as leaders constantly reminding them and, and helping them come into their power, helping them come into their voice, and helping them come into who they're supposed to be as players. What uh, What's it like reconnecting with Pete and, and having, you know, being back at practice around him? What is that reconnection like? Oh, it's, it's always, always good to catch up with Pete. I think Pete, you know, he, he's the type of coach that takes you out of the blue. How you doing? Are you doing well? That kind of stuff. He doesn't always call you, but he'll text you out of the blue to check on you, make sure you're doing well. I think connecting with Pete and I think, you know, being out there again with the energy is, is what makes it really unique. I think Pete is a special coach. I always call him the the Mark Zuckerberg of the NFL. You know, I don't know if Mark Zuckerberg still has a good, uh, I don't know, a good, him and Elon Musk, I'm not sure who's going to win that fight. I see Mark, I see Mark Zuckerberg training. I don't know, Mark Zuckerberg, I don't know, man. He, he got kind of, kind of, kind of got, uh, I don't know if you're on HGH or something. He looks a little he jacked kinda, up right now, right? Yeah, he's jacked up, right? I don't know what he's eating. Yeah, man, his face looks the same, so it makes it not look as frightening. But imagine if he just, you know, had he spent a million dollars to like somebody to do an AI generated scar on his face, like then he'd be like Rambo or something or Fight Club. <laughs> but uh, no, but I think uh, Peter's just always have he's always energetic. It doesn't seem like he's getting old. He still got all his wisdom. He still got everything around him, and he still has the energy to get up every day and impact the players in a positive way. 
uh, Michael Bennett with us. You'll see him tonight. Seahawks' first preseason game at home, roaming those sidelines. Probably you, you basically don't even need to introduce him after that. There's only one Seahawk <laughs> who would have that kind of conversation That's about right. Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> That's for it, sure. It is Mike, and it is definitely Mike B. Hey, can we uh, just uh, run through a few of these guys, Mike? And I'm most curious from your perspective, and I love that insight. You know, trying to tell these guys, you don't have to be somebody else. Be who you are with your skill set and body. And there's some different guys now. And and one that's drawn at least some fun and personality comparisons to you is one Mike Morris. Built a little different than you. He's a big old dude at 6'6". Uh, but tell me what you've seen from Mike Morris the week you've been around him here. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that he was an outside linebacker this whole time. Coming up in college and played outside a lot. So he's very lanky. <clears throat> and 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 he has some he's, – he's wise. I think it's just – as a young player figuring out how to use your body. I told him the other day, I was like, look, you're inside. When you're outside, you have a lot of time. You know, you think about it as a boxer, you're outside, you're a jab. You know, you're jabbing. But inside, it's all body shots. So everything's happening a lot faster. So everything is kind of like you're either getting off or you're reacting. So I think he has the ability. What I saw from him is that he has speed. I see that he has power. And I think that he has he has the mental capacity to grow into a leader on his defense. And I think, you know, as a rookie, sometimes you don't want to come in and over, overstep. But I said, it's okay to overstep the line. Just don't overstep Bobby, you know. But as a leader, you know, you want to be able to um, just come in. I think I've seen that he has the talent. He has a great long arm and ability to – now he just – with his long arm, he just has to be able to get off the block. But that comes with just lifting weights and getting a little bit stronger from being inside and from being outside your whole career to coming inside and being inside rusher. How about this dude that uh, tucks his shorts into his uh, spandex? You got the big old legs. We're number fifty-eight. I know. I know he's on that edge. He's not one of your nitty-gritty defensive tackles or defensive end guys, inside guys. But what have you seen from Derek Hall? Hall. First of all, I told Hall he need to stop showing as much thigh as he's showing on there. I'm like, that's way too. That's way too much thigh meat he has out on his uh, on his shorts. I'm like, bro, these are Daisy Dukes now, man. You re- you went past the quota. But now, Hall is a very special player. He kind of reminds me of Frank Clark a lot, you know. He, he, he's wild and strong and fast. And now I think for him it's about being able to have some composure. You know, going from, you know, music that has no notes to being symphonic and having that sense of Miles Davis, this composure, this these sounds that are loud and – obnoxious but they they make music i think for him is about having that composure as a player and figuring out how to use all his talents to be very calculated when he's making moves on the field how, how did you do it mike you, you you were an undrafted guy and i'm thinking about a lot of the undrafted players or late round picks that are going to start off tonight and over the course of the next few weeks you were in that spot all those years ago how did you go from undrafted player to three-time pro bowler Oh, man, I think it was just mindset. And then also being around, I can't really take credit for it. As far as, like, the work ethic and working super hard and working on my talent, I think that was one of the main things. But I also think, like, having great coaches around you. I had an opportunity to be around some great players and great coaches who helped me change my mentality. I mean, the greatest influence that I had early on in my career would have been Rondé Barber. Kind of just watching Rondé Barber 
um, move as a human and, and how he does play. I, I follow him around my rookie year just to see how he's doing. Like, how oh, massage? What do you do? I just wanted to learn from Rondé because Rondé had been in the league so long. <laughs> he was just a special player, and he was just you know he was just a, he he knew the game, but he knew the game in a way that you know, that was his passion and he cared about it and he stayed motivated. So, you know, people like that and then Dan Quinn, the ability to like work with Dan Quinn on like, you know, pass rush and emphasis and being as smart as a player and thinking. And then also people like Jerry McCoy, and <clears throat> Chris Long and all these great guys, especially Cliff, Red Bryant, me, Bane. There's so many great players that influenced me to help me become a better player. And I think um, on top of that, I think the main thing that, I felt that made me a great player was that I wasn't really fast or wasn't the strongest, wasn't this, but what I had was my mind and my ability to watch film and and as a as a, using boxing as a um, as a as, as a way to you know explain this. It's just like the ability to be calculated and know what your opponent is doing before he's doing it. It allows you to be stronger and it allows you to punch first. I think that's what made me a great player is the ability to watch film and be like, okay, they're doing this on the time. And then just having this great defense around me, right? It was just so many great players. Bobby, Sherm, Cam, Earl, just everybody. This me bang. Me bang was, you know, one of the best defensive linemen in the, in the NFL this last decade, but you know, he didn't get all the credit that he deserved. But he was such a technician and he understood the game at such a high level that if he plays he would point out and, and I would be like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I, it was just so many good people, man. But overall I think it's the mentality and and realizing that sometimes you have to choose violence on the football field. Well, so all of that makes you a great player. What helped you get there at the very beginning? Because like, if you don't impress as an undrafted rookie in those preseason games, you probably don't have an opportunity to to get there, to get to meet Rondé Barber, to get to meet all those other people and be in those spots. How did you approach those, if you remember, how did you approach and what did you do in those first few preseason games? Man, I just went out there and realized that you got to go. I remember Patrick Kearney coming to me and saying, you got to play Corey Redding. I just went out there and just tried to play as hard as I could and realized that it's just football, but at the same time, the stakes are super high. I think as an undrafted rookie or a low draft player, sometimes you go out there and those lights just get over your head. But in the reality, it's just it's just a game. And you have to find a way to have that composure. And for me, I was so hungry. I didn't care who they lined up. It could have been my mama on the offensive line, and I probably would have hit her with a long arm <laughs> because I just wanted to play, you know. So that's what it came down to. Uh, Mike, my last little question here for you before uh, Salk's going to present something to you. Another question, a final question, is we had a guy on the other day, this guy named Mark Schlereth. I don't know if you know Mark Schlereth, stink offensive yeah. guard. Oh, oh, yeah. Great guy. Yeah. NFL analyst does an awesome job. He's actually going to do the third preseason game with you out in Green Bay. And Schlereth was out there watching practice the last few days, and he was like, I'll tell you what, man, I think this current group is deeper. He didn't say better. I think this current group in this in the back end is deeper than the LOB. You were there with the LOB. You've been there all week. You think that's fair? I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a hard. <laughs> it's only hard for me to say that because I know what the LOB did, yep. and I don't know what they're going to do. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like okay, they could be deeper, but then I'm like, damn. Earl was six-time All-Pro. So it's like I can't really compare because I haven't seen it, but they do have great depth. I think the thing that they do have is a lot of speed. They might be faster than when I play. I think as far as like just all-around speed, 
I think this, this secondary is a lot faster. And I would definitely agree on that. Well, and we'll see whether or not they have the guys up front that, you know, help them out by getting to the quarterback the way the mm-hmm. LOB did, right? But they don't have Cam Chancellor, though. Nobody, there's no Cam Chancellor. <laughs> well, there's and no Cam Chancellor in the universe. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So for, I can't agree with him. I'm like, bro, Cam Chancellor, there's no Cam Chancellor. That changes everything. <laughs> so without a Cam Chancellor, I can't compare y'all. Y'all would need another superhuman with superhuman strength and superhuman speed to be out there. I, so I, don't, I can't compare. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about talking to all you guys, and we have KJ on the show every week during football season, et cetera, is the reverence you guys have for both Cam and Marshawn. It just, every time I hear from any of you guys from that era, it's the one, like I guess two things, that really shines through. Yeah, Cam Tessa was, he allowed our defense to be different, right? Because we... We're able to play nickel defense. He was a linebacker playing safety, you know, and he was so smart. So, you know, I feel like Cam is one of those people who will probably get tick a little while because he ended up getting injured. But I feel like Cam is a Hall of Fame player to me. And I think, you know, it's hard. People, I don't know. He made a big impact on a great defense, and he changed the game in, 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 a, in a real way, I think. All right, so Brock wants me to ask you this. Every day at the end of our show, which is coming up here in a few minutes, uh, we choose something that we want to rank. Now, we didn't give you a lot of time to prep for this, but if you have five uh, more minutes, would you be willing to rank your five favorite Seahawk moments? Yeah. All right, well, then let's hit the music, Mora. How about that? Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. Yeah, you even got Earl Thomas saying the list was very biased. It was a very biased list. <laughs> So what is it, Brock? You want his five favorite? Well, understand, Ben, Michael, that uh, Salk and Justin, they don't follow the rules. They right. do all these honorable mentions. Mora, our producer, it drives her and I batty because we're linear. We like to follow the rules. A ranking should go five, four, three, two, one, And they just do all these crazy things. So I shot you a little text and just said, man, if you could rank your five favorite Seahawk moments, and you can go probably five, four, three, two, one, if if they come to mind. But what would be Mike B's five favorite moments starting at number five? Number five would be Cam Chancellor jumping over in the Carolina game and blocking the punt, blocking the field goal and taking it to the house. Um, that was ridiculous. Number four <laughs> is when I, it's not even a football player. It's just when I was riding the bike around the stadium. <laughs> um, <laughs> you still have that bike? Uh, um, oh, no. Do I have that? Yeah, no, I don't have it. You don't have um, it. By the way, just to, not to cut you off, but just to take a moment, I got a text from somebody here during the show who said, I never knew Mike B before, but I'm a teacher. I work out with the Boys and Girls Club of Seattle, and Mike used to come in and ride bikes with the kids all the time. It never made the news, but he's forever my favorite Seahawk for what he did for those kids behind the scenes. So bike riding is kind of a big thing for you. Yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like for me, I always do a lot of stuff in the Seattle community. I never really public but it's just one of those things i just love people here in seattle um number three i'm gonna say hold on one second mike hold on one second hey hey, salt and justin you see how you do that you do this you see what he's doing right here we're just going right through five four three two one this concise is mora textbook (laughs) ranking from mike Bennett right here (laughs) 
And he's doing it basically on the fly. Right. Very impressive. Yeah. You don't need to yeah. point out our flaws during yeah. our guests right now. I'm sorry. Don't I'm embarrass sorry. me. I'm sorry. Focus on your strengths. Focus on your three, strengths. Three is two plays in the Saints game in the, play, uh, in the playoffs the year, the Super Bowl. Yep. When I got that forced fumble when I run it back. And then me and Chris got a sack on Drew Brees for a fumble. Mm-hmm. That was super nice. Mm-hmm. Number two is when Peyton Manning fumbled the ball like <laughs> on the first snap. Like, you know, Hall of Famer, he was Paul Snap. Oh, he never wants to talk about that. And then number one would be uh, when I hit um, what's his name? Running back uh, Todd Gurley. Oh, I remember that. Oh. Yes. That's your number one moment was destroying Todd Gurley? It was destroying him. I destroyed him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was good. Have you ever heard Peyton's comments about uh, about that snap afterwards? No, this I'm is pretty this, sure it's an excuse. Well, here's what he said afterwards. This is like right afterwards, like on the sideline to his center. It should have started with silent. I was thinking about telling you that. You know, it's starting off silent while they're all hyped up. Yeah, know? he should have gone silent count. He messed it up. So he so he made excuse on somebody else. <laughs> well, no, I think he said he should have done it. He's taking the blame. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, you're the best. We you are the you. best, man. We do. It's nice to hear your voice on Seattle Radio. Always one of our favorite people to chat with. Always one of my favorites to watch as well. So thanks, man. We're going to enjoy uh, watching you in the booth over the course of the next few weeks, and hopefully we'll talk again. Thank you. All right, there you go. There's Thank Michael Bennett. Wow. Well, that. That's really good. He should have gone silent, Brock. I was just thinking of telling you. I just, I kind of forgot. I'll tell you this. You don't seem to have a lot of love loss from Peyton Manning, tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) As you you get older, you're willing, and you can hear it there, almost whimsical in the wisdom that Ben had, right? I mean, just you get older, you try to get a little more sage, a little more savvy. You usually get a little more transparent. Your filter usually dies, like Grandpa Mike says, no filter now. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to use two of those things that Bennett said on broadcast this year. In my own games, I I, I wrote them down. (laughs) There is no question in my mind. I will give him credit the first time. I won't just steal it and make it my own. <laughs> but he just dropped a couple little quick little nuggets there. I'm, I'm a quarterback, right? I don't see the game as a D lineman. <laughs> but I so appreciate what he said. When his he's talking description about Mike of Derek Hall was so poetic. It was so good. How about his description of Hawaii? Kidding me? Yeah. So good. You know, but like from clanging music to symph- you know, symphonic yeah. it just tones, just understanding just be loud and crazy like frank clark man make music out of it use those notes man make your moves his comment about mike morris on the outside you play outside linebacker you're an outside box like in boxing you're just jabbing you're on the outside you play inside you're in the body man i don't know whether mike would ever want to be a coach i don't know whether that you know sort of grinding lifestyle you know suit somebody also wants to hang out in hawaii for a good portion of the year but i bet you he'd be really good at it yep I mean, and I, and I don't say that in any way to degrade him for not wanting to go through the huge, huge amount of work that it, it seems to be involved with being a coach. But I bet you he'd be really good at it. Uh, Dre Jones said that um, in his press round. That Mike would be great at it. Day, yeah. I believe it just because of, I mean, look, those abilities to make analogies and try to make it make sense to somebody else. Isn't that really what coaching is? It's. Not, I mean, he obviously he knows all the techniques. A lot of people do. But being able to help make it make sense to the people that are trying to go through it on a daily basis, yep. that's what sets good coaches apart. Yeah, right? I guarantee you Clint and Pete and others have gotten back into their rooms at night and into their coaches' rooms and been like, wow, that, this 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 week with Mike B. and Cliff both there this week is invaluable. Yeah. 
I mean, for a Mike Morris tonight and a Derek Hall tonight, they will at some point over the course of the game tonight in those snaps absolutely think of something that might be empowered them with. Be yourself. Use your strengths. Don't worry about everybody else. Do what you do best and go out there and cut it loose like he had to do as one of those undrafted guys to make his own way. Some text. Best ranked ever. Take the hint, Salk. I vote that Mike B. do ranked from here on out. That's yeah, how it should be done. Instead of coaching, I wish, he, I wish he would get into ranking. Right. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a lot of money in that. I can, <laughs> yeah, I can see him maybe wanting to make a whole career out of ranking things. All right. Uh, we're going to get out of here and pave the way for Bump and Stacy, who are coming up next to get ready for tonight. Uh, tomorrow, obviously, we'll be breaking down what we saw in the game and then getting ready for a huge weekend series against Baltimore. Uh, Got to root for the Orioles tonight, though. It'd be nice if they could take one from Houston, please. Um, what else we got? Oh, and then tomorrow I'll have a little more info on what we can do for Maui because I just, even here in Mike's description of Hawaii, I totally agree with all of it. Just absolutely a magical place, really beautiful, and what they're going through is just awful. So we will have more information tomorrow and hopefully, uh, hopefully a big auction that we can do during the course of the show. We will be back tomorrow morning, that's we for will. sure, at 6 a.m. Until then, Brock, the hay. Oh, the hay is in the barn. Sure is. See you, everybody. Get to the chopper!